remain with pause and hold silence as we centre ourselves for worship. This is the house of the Lord. Hear the word of God calls us. Let us stand in body or in spirit and open God's life-giving word for this community. If you're able, please stand. Welcome to everyone joining us here this morning, whether it's your first time, your first time for 18 months, or you're here regularly, you are most welcome. This service is being live streamed as all our weekly services are. A special welcome to the friends and family of Jennifer and Chris Nichol as we celebrate the baptism of their son Jackson. As we gather in this place, may we hear the water Water poured out to cleanse the deepest part of our souls. Hear the freedom it brings. Feel the new life that it offers. Let us worship God, our baptismal hymn, 631, A Little Child the Saviour Came.
friends, welcome to this special place where we recognize and celebrate a promise given to Jackson of a love that refuses to let him go. It is an ancient sign, but a sign that Jesus shared in too, a sign that makes all things new. So let us gather here, trusting that this water, while it remains water, holds the symbol of God's love and a Savior who gave everything for us. Let us pray. God in water you birthed the world, a new creation for the universe. Jesus, through water you were baptized, sharing in our humanity. Spirit, by water you continue to call us into a new way of living. May we hear once more your calling to be yours and bring Jackson through the waters, dedicating him into the promise of love. And hear us now as we join together with the church universal in the words that Jesus taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jennifer and Chris, would you come forward? Jennifer and Chris, you now have a great responsibility. So do you promise God being your helper to make your home a Christian home and to continue to bring Jackson up in the faith and in the commonwealth of the church? People of God, today Jackson is being baptized in our midst as part of one worldwide church. We've been given the responsibility to nurture and offer him the good news. Do you promise to continue to uphold him, to nurture and strengthen him, and to give him your time and your love in the commonwealth of the Spirit? If you do, please stand. And for you, Jesus came into the world and showed us all about God's love. For you, he suffered and died that first Easter. And for you, also, he rose again and celebrated new life. All this he did for you, Jackson, even though, like everyone else here, we don't fully understand it. But that doesn't matter, for we love God because God first loved us. Jackson Maxwell Nicol, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The blessing of the God of light, the Son of love, and the Spirit of truth be with you and dwell in your heart forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you.
Henry. What happens when you rub out, what happens to the rubber when you've used it a few times? It starts to wear out. It starts to go down. And then at the very end, you get that horrible bit of metal where you still try and rub out and it just scratches your daughter. Yeah? And then you get a row from your mum or dad and your teacher. Yeah? That's the one. What that tells me, though, is, if we get the picture back up, All the pencils are different sizes. We sharpen our pencils, we use our rubbers. They're all different sizes. The pencils are just like people. They all come in different sizes, in different colors. And we have a God like the rubber. God rubs out our mistakes. We all do things wrong. We all make lots of mistakes. But God, unlike that rubber, doesn't run out. God will always forgive us and allow us to restart and restart. And God's rubber doesn't run out. We've got lots of forgiveness. When we do something wrong, God forgives us and rubs out our mistakes, and we can start again and try and get it right. But like those pencils, God's love never runs out. Before our Sunday club goes through to the hall, our next hymn, 564, Jesus loves me, this I know.
member of the nation's food bank collects his opinions on a Tuesday at the West Halls, 10 until 12 and 7 till 8 p.m. Please continue to support that if you can. And next Sunday is our harvest service, so a big push this week would be appreciated. Next Sunday is our harvest, and we have generally lots of food collected at the food bank. So next Sunday for the service in here, if people could bring along some toiletries, that would be greatly appreciated, and they go to help the work of the food bank. And our children will be involved, as always, in bringing our gifts down to the front. To continue with one service, by and large, the this side, my right, your left, and the balcony will continue to be spaced, so please sit here, places there, so it's spaced out there if you so wish, and the rest is all in, but again, we ask if you could share a space between yourself and the next household. It's a time of year where we send solar calculators to help the senior math students in Mwandi, where we have mission partners. There's a collection box at the back of the church, should you wish to support that. Each one, including postage, costs about £5. So if you could all support a calculator, that would be brilliant. Speaking of our partners in Mwandi, we have some pictures on our screen. We've been supporting work there for some time, and we're looking to aid in electric, some electric classrooms, as due to the lights, students at times can't learn. So to give them the same opportunities. And so we sent the money across, and we've got some pictures back thanking us for sending the resources. The first slide is the solar panels, the battery room, there's office equipment, whiteboards, tables, stationery, markers, all going out as we speak. And we also send children's clothing. You can see a couple of new babies. We even balanced between colours in the first two pictures. I didn't, I, didn't edit, I didn't see that second one to get that out before the, the, the service. And, and, and the next one, I think, is two wee babies who are travelling up and, and supported by the clothing and other funds we do. That's the, the reality of the work we do, which sometimes unseen to us here in our congregation. Caroline Morrison received a letter from one of the deputy head teachers that said, on behalf of the school management and indeed on my own behalf, we would like to thank the Church of Scotland for the overwhelming offer that has really come at the right time when the school experiences low power due to the shortage of electricity that affects the nation during this time of year. With what we have been given, we will be able to run the exams which are due to start in a short time with less difficulties. We promise we will use the system with the maximum care it deserves. May the Almighty God continue to bless you in Jesus' name. That's the reality of the work that we support on the ground. And our young people in Bible class once a month want to raise money to help our overseas mission at work in Moandi. Starting today, my room, my office doesn't always smell of raw onions. So we're cooking soup for, or they were cooking soup for, uh, to raise funds for Moandi. So soup and homemade roll, a pound through that way after the service. Please support our young folk and their partners in Moandi and you get lunch before you go home. And next month, I'm told it'll be cakes and then back to soup. So we'd like to keep you nice and healthy and fed here in Christian. Offering, again, the offering bag's not passed around the church and our offering plates at the back of the church and you can give online by uh, giving regularly by standing order or by giving a one-off donation at the weekly offering tab on our church website to support the life and work 
of the church in a community. Friends, at intimate death of a member, many of you will now know, um, last weekend, Moira Miller passed away at the Royal Alexandra Hospital. Her funeral service will be a week on Tuesday, the 21st of September at Woodside Crematorium at 12.30. My prayers are with Moira's family. More details will be on the website and I'll intimate next week uh, when I meet the family this afternoon. As a result of that, you know Moira was a dedicated member of the Guild. The Guild that afternoon has been delayed for a week and it will now be held on Tuesday the 28th of September and the Guild will circulate details of that. A Bible reading this morning is brought by the session clerk, James Macbeth. Let's listen for God's word. morning. The reading is from Matthew chapter 18, reading from verse 21. The parable of the unfaithful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 27 times. Therefore, the king of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant, that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned on him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Thanks be to God for this reading from his holy word. Amen. One hundred and twelve, God, whose almighty word.
pray. Spirit, inspire us today to seek your kingdom ways, to be challenged by your words, and to have the grace to respond. So be it. Amen. Forgiveness is surely one of the most difficult human acts, not only to give, but also to receive. For Jesus to tell this parable means there's a lot at stake. The other challenge, the call to generous forgiveness, not only must we forgive, we have to do it a lot. Peter suggests a big-hearted seven times. I can just imagine the exchange, not the first exchange now, between Peter and Jesus. Peter, so Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Like seven? Peter thumbs up. More than that, my friend. Okay, like 17. Not even close. Wait, like 27. Keep going. You're kidding, right? 37. Jesus. Try 70. Seven times. But that's ridiculous. Impossible. I'm no mathematician. But 70 times 7 is quite a lot, isn't it, Ronnie? Exactly, Peter. It is ridiculously impossible. And I'm not going to stand here this morning and be condescending by telling you you must forgive whatever happens or you're not a Christian. It's harder than that. It's much harder than that. For me personally, it's a hard truth to hear. When I'm an ex-police officer, I'm inclined towards measure and order. I like precision and predictability because that brings accountability. But if we have learned anything from Jesus' teaching, it's that he pushes the boundary of the cultural norms. He causes us to stop and to reflect. And maybe that's why it's such a hard truth for us. It causes us to reflect. Reflect on deep, tragic, painful memories people that we are reluctant to forgive or who are reluctant to forgive us. It sets off reminders of those we think we can't ever forgive. What is holding us back? What do we need to happen or need to receive that would make forgiveness more palatable? I have a deep desire to preach against this passage today. What about wrongs that are unforgivable? We read of such evil every day in the newspapers and see it on TV. Atrocities. What about them? 
Yet the message of Jesus' parable is clear, echoing the Lord's prayer. We should forgive as we have been forgiven. To put it into perspective, the first servant owed the equivalent of 150,000 years of labor to pay back his debt. Yet he is forgiven. The second servant owed around 100 days labor. Yet the servant who was forgiven refuses to forgive. Having been forgiven himself, he could not forgive a minor debt against him. And I think it's to do with our desire for counting, for calculating, for keeping track. Despite the first servant's debt that had been wiped clean, he immediately moves to the ledger. He is incessantly keeping and focusing on the debt that his fellow servant owes. He's not alone in this desire. Peter himself starts the conversation with a number. He wants to know just what the benchmark of expectation is for him. How much is expected? How much is reasonable? How much is required? And Jesus, as he often does, turns Peter's question on its head by replying with a ridiculous, if not impossible, you want to play the numbers game. It's not that Jesus wants Peter to increase the forgiveness quota. He wants him to stop the counting altogether. Because forgiveness, like love, is inherently and intimately relational rather than legal. And therefore, it can't be counted. If Peter had asked Jesus how many times he should love his neighbor, then we would have spotted this misunderstanding. But as he asked for forgiveness, we miss the mistake. Why? I think we tend to treat forgiveness as a response to the law. Someone messes up, we either punish them or forgive them. It's easy. But I don't think that's a helpful or accurate way to weigh this up. Where the law regulates behavior by holding us accountable to agreeable regulations and moral conduct, thus it makes room for relationship to flourish. The law doesn't constitute or govern relationships. The law can constitute what we should help someone in need, or it's wrong to hurt someone, but it can't make us friends with that person, let alone make us love them. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is an expression of love. It's ultimately not about regulating behavior. It's about maintaining and nurturing relationships. And I have to be absolutely clear. This does not remove the need for law in our relationships. There is indeed a time to count and a time to hold accountable. Where someone is repeatedly hurtful or unkind, let alone abusive or violent, 
the most loving and forgiving thing to do can be putting a stop to that behavior. It's complicated. But I think at the very heart of Jesus' parable is an invitation to see that there are always two dimensions to our lives. The legal dimension of accounting and accountability, all of which matter. The other, a deeper relational dimension to our lives, is no longer simply about behavior, but about being. How we regard ourselves and others as valued people worthy of love and dignity. This is why it's so important to God. The very start of the Bible, God gave us the law to create space for relationships. God created in us the capacity to love and forgive and to accept forgiveness. That we might be drawn closer into relationship with each other and with God brings us to the harsh end of this parable. It seems in first reading that the only thing this forgiving king cannot forgive is the inability of others to forgive as they have been forgiven. Please keep in mind that this is a parable. It's not a warning. No one lived perfectly according to Jesus' 70 times 7 kind of forgiveness. Which means if we really read this parable literally, then we're all doomed. I think we can read the judgment of the king another way. And to suggest that rather than inflicting some new punishment on the unforgiving servants, the king is actually only describing the condition that the servant already lives in. He's already a slave of the world of counting, calculating, measuring everything according to the law. And he will remain a slave to that way until the end of time. That's not softening the parable. It's inviting the parable to push us to the very brink of our being. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is ultimately a decision about the past. The decision to accept that you cannot change the past. But also that the past does not have to hold you captive. Forgiveness is a decision about the past that ultimately determines our future. To forgive is to release the past and enter into an open new future. When we're unable to forgive, we are the ones who remain captive, imprisoned to ourselves. believe that forgiveness is actually as important for us as it is for the other person. And don't get me wrong for a minute. 
forgiving does not mean foregoing justice. But the law takes care of justice. Forgiveness is when we let go of the wrong done to us. Forgiveness is freedom. Freedom from the past. Freedom for the future. The kind of freedom that God wants for each of us. So friends, if we feel hurt, betrayed or wronged by someone living or someone dead, don't let it hold you captive. Even where we have distanced ourselves for good reason, seek the ability to forgive and be set free. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore, world without end. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, at this time of deep social and political unease, when the urge to scapegoat and demean those who hold different views to our own surfaces too easily. When we fail to take care of those in need, those who are different from us, that is when community breaks down. Encourage us not to forget that love, compassion, and forgiveness are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. O oh God, as you have done for us, so encourage us to build relationships with those who agree and those who disagree with our views, with those who have left behind in the wake by those in power. For it is when community is built in the foundations of love, compassion and forgiveness that we will grow and flourish with vibrant colors which bring out life and life in all its fullness. God, we remember the poor and the weak, the vulnerable and disadvantaged in society, those denied their rights, seen as outcasts by society. Yet as you have given us hope, engage us to bring them hope. Mobilize us as a community here, sharing your compassion, your forgiveness, and bringing the love of your kingdom ever nearer. In this hostile world, we pray for leaders to seek to build relationships and peace rather than threats and war. O oh God, as we have been cradled in care and lifted in love by you, help us now to go into all the world, sharing the gifts we have been given. Until all your world lives in love, communities are built. And the future is shaped by bringing your kingdom closer here and earth. All these prayers spoken, and those spoken only quietly in our own hearts, will lay before your throne of grace. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Following our final hymn, there's a word of benediction. We then sing the threefold Amen. And the reminder, foot is that way.
our final hymn, 159, Lord for the Year. from here feeling the burden removed from you be willing to remove it from others and as you go may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god 
and the common life of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. Thank you.